You know, I just think one of the most amazing things about the Bible is that no one intended to write it. It's this collection of songs, letters, poems, and historical records, and none of the writers, 40 of them, writing in three languages over 14 centuries, even realized they were writing the book. And this is particularly true of the personal letters from Paul, like this one to Philemon. Philemon is just one chapter, and this personal letter that Paul scribbled in a hurry, he sent with a runner to the town where Philemon lived. So why is it even in the Bible? We need to ask God what he's saying to us. Why did he put this letter in the pages of our Bible? The letter's written to a slave owner, saying from Paul, I'm sending him back to you. Because when Paul met the slave, he became a Christian. When Paul said to him, where do you come from? He told him his story. Then Paul asked him, who was your master? And the most amazing coincidence took place. Paul said, I know your master. He's another Christian. Then he said, you've got to go back. Which would have been terribly difficult for Philemon to do. So Paul sent this letter to soften the reception he would get. Let's look at verses 1 through 8. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. So here Paul starts with a beautiful greeting, and he mentions the church in Philemon's house, and he tells him that he's praying for him always, and acknowledges that he's indeed refreshing the hearts of the saints. And then he says this, that is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. But because of your love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, I could demand it, but I want you to do it because you want to do it, not because I force you to do it. He goes on and says, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. There is reproductive life in a man of God. He calls Onimus his son. This is how you feel towards a person that you've led to the Lord. You've become their spiritual father or mother in a sense that you helped bring them to birth in Christ. And you can continue having children until the day you die in the Lord. And I just think that's an incredible thought. Paul tells Philemon, you won't just be getting a slave back. You'll be getting someone that's now part of your family who you'll love. He's your brother. I also want to mention that some people may think by Paul sending him back that he was supporting slavery. But in that day, out of millions of people in the Roman Empire, one in every three was a slave. They had no rights not even the right to life. They were completely their owner's property. Paul was injecting an attitude which regarded a slave as a person to be loved into the system of slavery. That's truly the only thing that can cure man's inhumanity towards another human being. This is the way that Christians are supposed to operate, to get into a situation as the salt of the earth, like the light of the world, and inject love into that situation until people begin to see people as people. 
Paul is saying to Philemon, receive him in a different way. See him as a person that Christ died for. Can you actually go on treating someone poorly when you see them like that in your heart? And I see that there's a perfect picture of sin here. When we sin, we are runaway slaves. The Bible says you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. If I run away and decide to live my life my own way, I'm useless to God and I've done what Onimus has done. I've stolen my master's property. The Bible says you're not your own. You were bought at a price. I've stolen the time God gave me when I go off to try to do things my own way. He meant for my time to be used for him. I've stolen the money he gave me to use for his purpose. I've stolen the gifts he gave me to use for me and my benefit. I've stolen the very life that he gave me and I've said it's mine. I want it for my own pleasure. Jesus said whoever tries to keep their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for his sake will preserve it. And in reading between the lines and behind the lines here in this story of Philemon, I see also the punishment that's due. What do you think was the punishment for a runaway slave? The lightest punishment a master would give if he was really merciful would be to brand the slave with the letter F on their forehead. It meant fugitive, runaway. This way, if it happened again, people wouldn't take them in. But the worst punishment and the normal punishment was death by crucifixion. If Paul had sent Onimus back to a man who wasn't Christian, he would likely have killed him. But I have to say that that's also God's punishment for runaway sinners, crucifixion. In other words, it's a crime deserving death. I want you to notice some things that are happening in Paul's letter that parallel what Jesus did for us. First, Paul says, If he's wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. In Colossians 2.14, Paul says, Christ has taken the bond written against us and nailed it to the cross. Jesus has written his own name across my debts to God, and he said, Paid. If she owns anything, Father, I'll pay it. Paul is even prepared to plead with Philemon for forgiveness. He says, forgive this man. He's run away from you. Yes, he was bad, but forgive him. Not only do we have in Jesus someone to pay what we owe, we also have someone to say on our behalf, Father, forgive them. Do you see the pattern that we're given here in this book? What God is to me, I'm supposed to be towards others. What God was to Paul, he was to others. This is exactly what Jesus says to the Father about me. Receive Christa as myself. Paul says to Philemon, welcome him as you would welcome me. I see here a perfect picture of salvation. Salvation is composed of justification and sanctification. The first is a change of status, and the second is a change of state. The change of status is from a slave to a daughter or a son. When you and I came to Christ, we were justified. The slave became an adopted child, an heir. You're no longer a servant of God. You're a son or daughter of God, freely living within the family. Onimus came back as a son, not as a slave. The change of state is from being useless. He became useful. Onimus hasn't been much use to you in the past, but now he's very useful to both of us. Philemon 11. The process of sanctification is to change me from being a useless creature to a useful woman of God. Paul uses a beautiful little phrase, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. He's essentially saying to Philemon, perhaps you could think of it this way. He ran away from you for a little while so that he can now be yours forever. 
If we've been in the far country for a little while, we may appreciate the Father's house more when we come home. When you come back, you'll find all the happiness that you actually went into the far country to find, but it was at home all the time, where you should have been. But when you come back, it's not because you have to. Now you come because you want to, so you come back forever. This is the lesson I see for us in the book of Philemon.